Well, hello, all you Lasso fans, and welcome to a special episode of Peanut Butter and Biscuits from the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. I'm your host today, Craig, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jeremy Geffner. Hey, guys, what's up? We're halfway through Lasso Season 3. I know, we'll all deal with it together because we got a really cool guest here to help us. I know, and I don't know if I'm allowed, you know, this is the third time I'm getting the opportunity, the pleasure, the honor of speaking to this person in three months. Am I allowed to call you my friend, Luke? Is that, a, is that okay? Absolutely. Oh, now my my weekend, my month is made now because Luke Tenney <laughs> Mine too. Thank you. Show. How are you, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. My lady and I have been on the edge of our seats this entire season. <laughs> Just like, yo, man, like... What's going on? I just I love oh like there's this thing that the writers do with cliche. Mm. And they always they take you down this road where it's like this feels familiar. And then there's a hard left, a hard right. You might start flying, you might go underground, but it's all centered around this familiarity. And then there's just some jolt that takes you to some place a little bit too real. And <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's so amazing how they continue to subvert those expectations and, and everything else. And, you know, there's we've got to first before we dive into kind of like the themes of this, we just have to tell you congratulations that yeah. since you came on this show uh, last, your show has now been renewed for a second season. I mean, come on, Woo-hoo! that had to be written in the stars. Shrinking is just a fantastic show. So congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just uh, honestly, y'all know the deal. I'm happy to be working with the the people who brought this together you know the people who mm-hmm. created ted lasso but moreover i'm happy to have a job and man work <laughs> with some really talented people on some funny stuff on some real stuff and it's an entirely different thing um but uh i'm just i'm grateful we get to do it again so we'll yeah. start shooting i think in a couple months i think probably two months we get back to work that's Thanks. awesome and you know I actually tell we you, have- man it's it's very, very nice that I can now talk about the ending of Shrinking. Yes, you can. <laughs> My wife totally Boop. called it too about like two minutes early. She's like, she's going to push that guy off the cliff. Like, <laughs> Yo, my wife did the same thing. Yeah. She, she didn't say anything. She was just like, we were watching TVs over here. And then, I don't know, I think they were on the hike and she just goes. <laughs> I just got to tell you that um, I had somebody... Uh, write me like a a, a really intense theory that basically the show is actually going to turn and what Jason's doing with all of you, what Jimmy's doing is going to make you all into murderers. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) We got us a a sort of like uh, going into that absurd kind of realm, like something like very, yeah, or like uh, a like a there. like a good place where they completely flip the script oh, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, second yeah. season or something. But uh, yeah, we just, yeah, you, know, you don't know he's dead, okay? You don't know he's dead yet, okay? <laughs> I actually, I, honestly, I know as much as you guys, so I can okay. like they haven't told me anything, zero <laughs> things, and even and even what I have heard, I feel like we're decoys because I've been there before. There, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. on set we're shrinking. They they were like, oh, you want to hear the ending? And they would say something different every time, like something, I don't know. And they would give decoys like, oh, actually, Jimmy goes skydiving or whatever. And he has an accident. It's like, <laughs> I know y'all, y'all ain't really doing that, are you? So they're trying to keep everybody on their toes. That's awesome. You know, uh, we, of course, when we said that you were going to be coming on with us today and our uh, social media, everybody is just loving on you and saying how much they love shrinking. Uh, we have a great listener, uh, Matt, who, who's been with us since the very beginning. We love her. And uh, she just had a quick question she wants you to answer because you're opening, oh, sure. you're, you know, you're going into kind of like a food service and you're opening this catering business. Um, then the, the upcoming season, we presume, um, are you a cook in real life? Do you have the signature dish that you like? So, oh, great question. So I'm not a cook, but um, I love my wife. And in that love, I have learned how to do a great many things, how to uh, hang picture frames, how to make uh, sconces level, and how to cook a mean meal. I don't have a signature dish, but I got a couple. And when they were uh, prepping shrinking, they actually asked me if I had um, any interests. And this is the first one I mentioned. So here's my lemon pepper chicken. 
Oh, oh yeah, yes. that's awesome. I pull that joint out at 165. You know, I keep it nice and tender. I'm oh, look at this caramel apple from scratch. I ain't grow the oh, apple, but I made everything nice. else. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, here's our seafood soup. That one's not me alone. I, I need my wife's help for that one. It's a Mexican dish that they have in their family. And the last one, my favorite. This is courtesy of Jason himself. That is a sous vide ribeye. Oh, wow. <laughs> Medium broccolini, and I got some mushrooms over there with some uh, parsley and Parmesan. So Jason actually gifted me a sous vide on set. So every time I make somebody a steak, I get to tell them, make sure to thank Jason. <laughs> if you all excuse me, I need to go and uh, order some food now. Um, yeah, so no you kidding, guys have no kidding, talking. No kidding. Well, it's so great I just, to have you I love back. it when she loves the food. So I, oh, I'll yeah. be cooking every chance I can get. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And uh, just again, so much uh, love for your character and for you into season two. So congratulations there. But let's dive right Thank into you. kind of the midway point of Ted Lasso. And I think where Ooh. we should start this conversation <laughs> is that, you know, there's a lot of like, and I don't know necessarily where it's coming from, because this show, I, I have loved this show throughout. Clearly, I've, I spend a lot of time watching it. I've watched it over and over again. I love the character development. But it seems like at least going into the most recent episode, Sunflowers, there was a lot of talk online about like kind of there weren't people that were as thrilled with the storylines or what the direction that the season was going. And you're never going to please everyone, but I just kind of want to get a sense of Luke, where are you at with this show um, in the third season and your kind of thoughts just in general about uh, where we're at six episodes in. Interesting. I haven't seen that much online, but I have this addiction to when it comes to storytelling, I just like stories that are willing to make the audience uncomfortable so long as it's not for the sake of discomfort, unless that is your sole goal, like the Safdie brothers, when you watch a good time, it feels like theater of cruelty. Yeah. When you watch Uncut Gems, I feel like I'm being punished for coming to watch the movie. I don't know that that's an accident. However, wh what I think the writers are doing here is just focusing on honest, good storytelling. And every time something happens and I wanted something else to happen, I think about it and I go, but what's the reality here? So we get Zava, we start winning. It's great. And then it's like, yo, like this is a this is a team that struggled for years with a coach who doesn't know football. Mm -hmm. Why would they start winning? <laughs> and like beating everybody. What was I thinking? And for the story to kind of do that, I feel like it must be trying to <clears throat> get us to focus in on what's important between the characters. Because I keep remembering that this isn't a show about football, even though I'm so invested in, in the game and all these footballers. And I think what I think is happening now is the show is teaching us by teaching the characters that my life isn't just about football. There's mm -hmm. so much more to my life. And I think it's beautiful. And I hadn't seen any of that online, but I get it. I mean, when I watched the first two seasons, I actually binged them all straight through. But I'm not doing that this season because, like, I'm working with these people, bro. I'm trying to – I don't want to, like, <laughs> go somewhere and have not seen what they worked on, you know. But uh, I never used to have any of that struggle waiting for the next episode because I, I would binge it all. But this season I find is particularly challenging as a fan of the team, you know. Yes. I want mm. them to win. But as a fan yeah. of the characters, it seems like everybody's growing. Yeah, it's so I've, funny. I've actually, I've actually had a theory about that, like in terms of because we actually we got to talk to Max uh, Ozinski, who played Zava. Um, so he was wonderful and stuff. He's but, great. But, yeah, he's absolutely hilarious, and his background is fantastic. Like just where he came from in acting and stuff. But he, um, you know, I always thought like when Zava came in. It was one, a story device, I think, to get them near the top of the table so that when they have their, you know, unwin streak, that like it would be like they'd be in the middle as opposed to like the bottom. So that way, if they do go on a run, it's easier to see them getting to the top of the table um, and getting in, you know, title contention because they were already sort of in the middle um, because of Zava. But I think the biggest theme in terms of like the sports part of this season is that, you know, and I said this in the first season, when you get to the professional levels, like the top levels of whatever sport, most of the time, most of those players are going to be capable of winning. 
You know, they have a talent level that is very, very high. And it really is. There's a little bit of luck that goes into it every time. But it's also just kind of a belief and a a kind of culture that makes it so that they perform up to their best. And I always thought that was the brilliant part about Ted Lasso is the coaching is the focus. It's getting the players to harness all the talent that they have. And I think the first part of the season, the struggles need to be there because it's Jamie's story that he's telling him, which is that we have enough to win. And now Mm. after sunflowers, they're finally starting. They're going to finally start to believe it. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I was just talking to a coworker today and she was like, okay, I just saw the, I just saw the episode last night and was trying to kind of debrief with me. And she's like, where do you think this season's going? And I mentioned Jeremy's thought that, you know, the team's going to win the premier league, but it's going to be Colin that scores the last goal. And she just stops and just goes like, she just goes, oh, oh man, I, like, I don't even care about the soccer. Like, what do you <laughs> think is going to happen with these characters? You know, like, that's what that's what I want to know for a prediction. And it's just like, it is it is great to see this team. I think we certainly saw something click with Ted in this past episode, but also with the team coming together and that camaraderie in Amsterdam and having the pillow fight and everything else that <laughs> I think this team's going to go on a run. And I think Jamie's going to be right there in the lead for sure. But let's talk about yeah. like, so what I want to do is sort of discuss sort of the, some of the themes or some of the, the major kind of arcs that we're looking at. And let's just go ahead and start with the team there, Luke. Uh, You know, is there anything else that you think from a football perspective, soccer perspective, that we should be looking forward to in the last six episodes as you, uh, and we should notice, we should mention that none of us have any idea what's going to happen. Uh, So (laughs) this is all just kind of talking about it. um, And, you know, I, I know only one of us probably has Brett's number where he can call him up and ask him, but uh, saying, beyond, that, saying, uh, uh, beyond that, none of um, us know anything, uh, but talk to me about where you're at with the team. Yeah. So, I mean, there's this air of nostalgia I get when I watch anything sports related because so much of my life growing up was just sports. <clears throat> I started with baseball. I was like a big kid. Um, but I, I wasn't good. And then I, I went on to football, still wasn't good. But in football, it's okay so long as you can fall on somebody, which I did plenty of times. <laughs> and then I, I, I watch shows like Friday Night Lights, another great show, where oh, it's, so it's a lot about the actual sport. And then coming into Ted Lasso, where the sport seems like a vehicle to mm. discover and discuss these uh, thematic issues between the characters – It makes me remember when, like, I have this kind of image of, like, what percent of my mind certain things take up. And when I played football, it took up 80% of my mind. There was, like, just a handful of space left for anything else. And I'm looking at these characters, and I can see how much football means to them. But when I look at them, there are so many more important things that I see in their lives. So when I'm looking at um Brett or sorry Brett when I'm looking at Roy very different people <laughs> when I'm looking at Roy for example I still want the answers as to why he made the decision that he wasn't good enough well I think um Rebecca's comment let us know um where he stood there yeah uh, his insecurities and um he didn't feel secure in that relationship but I also look at the development of Jamie when you saw Keely watch him kind of be a different person but still know that this isn't right for her. She actually found something new that's right for her. And then I look at, oh my gosh, when I look at Colin and James in the moment that they shared, oh my goodness, it was beautiful. And I just don't see how this season will pan out with a focus on football. I, I think it has to be centered around arcs and how these people grow. Cause what I'm seeing right now is, There are elements of growth that are taking place in each character's life, but none of them really have connected them all. Like in season two, there was a great moment where um, Roy is coaching Jamie and Jamie says something, no, I got to trust him. And then Roy can like literally physically apply that to his life. We Mm. haven't seen that direct application yet. We see people growing in certain categories, but not really relating them. The only one where it's finally clicking, I think is Ted. And that's a rarity because Ted's kind of been like our, you know, our our rock. But I never once considered that he would like do something football. And I (laughs) thought maybe he would need some help to do it and come to find out he didn't have any help. 
It was just the illusion of help. Yeah. His arc has been fantastic this season in particular because usually he was just a rock for me. Even in season two, I was like, okay, he has one vice, which is like, or not vice, but he has this one struggle. But in this one, it's not, I saw him conquer the struggle and then I saw him go for more. And it just, oh man, I, I love when the characters are, are meant to inspire us and challenge us at the same time. And I don't see the writers letting us off the hook this season by making stuff easy. You know, it's going to get, I think it's going to get even more rough. Oh no. <laughs> well, I mean, I totally see what you're saying there too, because it's ah, man, there, there is, you, you want that triumphant moment. They do keep referencing, you know, like Ted saying, Oh, we're going to win the whole effing thing and stuff like that. And you're right though, Luke, because I'm thinking maybe, might be the might be the MacGuffin there. Might be the way of just like you know. But he's expecting it because his little boy, his little boy said, "You have to try," mm. and it it landed on him. And maybe because he didn't say anything, but maybe his he internalized it as. Or what I read from Jason's face was, "I thought I have been," you know. Mm. But yeah. maybe it's time to try harder. Yeah, and that's a great catalyst for, you know, obviously the inspiration he finds in taking the Bulls triangle offense and trying and putting it into the football sense, which, you know, and again, I, I don't know how I felt about it. It's like when Beard like brings up like, oh, actually, you know, this has been done before in like the 1960s <laughs> stuff, uh, the total football um, uh, angle of this. Um, but it is interesting to me that it's just kind of like even that it's like, oh, this is something that the Dutch team did a while back and it was very successful, but now it's kind of seen as passe. And so maybe it would be something that Nate or somebody of these other coaches wouldn't be expecting, you know? Yeah. What I think is so cool about that is like, there's always some sort of like a literal reality check. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I thought was so cool. Cause I'm like, there's this thing in my head. Cause I'm a writer too. And you know, I, and I, I look up to these writers like nobody else. So there's a thing in the back of my head where it's like, I want it. I want to know I can't come close. You know, I want to know, like, if I sat in a room with the best writers that I know that aren't those guys, that I couldn't write that. Like, they need to be otherworldly. And when I saw I was like, okay, so did Ted just invent something soccer, having never played soccer? Yeah. And then he gets in the back of the bus. And I was like, okay, so he rediscovered something. Y'all are good. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, he had, okay, so and he had beard right there to tell him because beard of course has yeah, been like yeah. just getting all this knowledge since that first second that we saw beard on the flight over to england he's been just soaking up nothing but but football right he's been the proficient one the one with mm -hmm. the vocabulary the one kindly and quickly correcting ted every time he messes something up or blunders mm -hmm. so he knows the fact that he is such a resource that he, he's like football Google, soccer Google, that Ted could say something. And what's so cool about Ted's temperament, which I I wish I had, was like if someone was like, oh, yeah, that already exists. Ted's like, cool. Whereas yeah. I, I might have been like, oh, man. Ted's like, sweet. Like, the more the merrier. Yeah, I love you know, that so much, too. That reaction was so great. He literally is just kind of like, okay, you think we should try huh? it? Like, yeah. It's just like, yeah. It's not about him, you know. It's, it's about the team and I just really admire not only the characters, but the way that they're written to, to sort of be in certain moments, we want them to do what we would do. And in other moments, they show us what we want to do that we might not be capable of. Wow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And I told Craig earlier, I think the other big theme of the team this year now is going to be how you win, you know, because obviously Jamie put his marker down when Zava was first coming to the team. Like, I don't think we need him. And now like, I don't know, like I'm a big sports buff, so I pay attention to a lot, but you know, it reminds me of like, you know, the money ball stuff with the Oakland A's all those years, or it reminds Just me. Just show that to my wife. Oh man, that movie is so good. <laughs> it's so good. Billy Bean looks okay. nothing like Brad Pitt, but whatever. We'll, we'll let that go. <laughs> but it also in more recent history though, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays this year, they started their season 13 and 0 in major league baseball. And again, they don't have a lot of high price free agents. They're one of the lowest uh, salary teams in baseball, but they find ways of, again, harnessing the talent that they have. They don't, you know, have high price free agents or anything like that, but they identify the strengths of these players and utilize them in ways that other people don't. And I think that's the key theme of the, the sports side of Ted Lasso this year, you don't need to have the highest priced soccer players, football players to make a dent in the Premier League. You just have to play as one, have each other's backs, as Ted said. Mm -hmm. It's a good show. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Well, let's dive into some more of the the characters and different things that we're following along here. Um, and these relationships that we all have come to love and want to know where they're going to end up. I'll tell you, we've asked uh, a lot of our listeners to provide their feedback and the things that they want to see at the end of this. And so many people are still coming back to Roy and Keeley have to be back together. And I just don't know if that's going to ultimately be what ends up happening um, because it's going to be a different uh I think it's going to be kind of a different world with her relationship with Jack going forward now. So I don't know. What do you feel like on that particular uh, relationship? What do you want to see? Or what would you think that they might give us uh, later on here in the the season? I mean, I, I love Roy and Keeley, But I want the best for both of them. Yeah. And I, I think the reality of where Roy is at is because of his uh, lack of security he might not be best for Keely. Mm. From the looks of it, Jack is great for Keely. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs of their relationship. It's only just begun, but it looks healthier. Yeah. And that makes me want the best for Keely. And she looks like she could be the best for Keely. But where, where Roy is concerned, I know Keely is the best for Roy. But the only thing that Roy has to do, it's not something he can't help. It's a decision he has to make. But I don't know if what's best for Keeley is to wait. So there's this thing where, you know, it feels like kind of like friends, you know, where you have yeah. some friends who maybe they're in like a relationship and you, you kind of want them to see what you see in them. And it's they're having a hard time. Or maybe they have this one quality. You think maybe if you tweak this, maybe, you know, it feels like... I don't have outright and explicit desires. I just want the best for everyone. And uh, shoot, I want the best for Nate. I want redemption for Nate. I remember talking about that. Um, so I, there's there's nobody who I don't want redemption for, even Rupert, you know? But that's just because I'm a hopeful guy and none of these characters seem like a villain without reason. You know, they, I don't think anybody's crossed such a line that they can't come back. But when it comes to that particular relationship, I don't know, but I really can't wait to find out. I'm not really good at predictions. Yeah, yeah. Analysis, you know? <laughs> well, what's great about it is like the, the again, you talked about how otherworldly these writers are, but they're yeah. also throwing us for a loop in this because so many times this season, you know, season two was so much about Roy and Keeley moving forward. And we almost kind of <laughs> forgot that Jamie and Keeley were even a thing at the beginning of this show. But now, like, as we're moving through season three, we have particular instances almost in every episode or every other episode where Jamie keeps coming back up. You know, if that's an Ola's and they're at the, they're, they're all eating and we see that Rebecca's looking over at Sam, but then we see Keeley look at Roy first and then pan over to Jamie. And then that, uh, that moment when they're doing uh, the banter promos and Shandy's asking about Jamie and Keeley starts talking about like how into himself he is, or at least he used to be into himself, you know, like she's really starting to think about Jamie. So it's like, giving us almost like this, these three potential relationship options. And of course the off ramp there is that, you know, Keely at the end of the show, if it's the end of the, if it's the end of Ted Lasso, then there's also a possibility that, you know, she just decides that she is that independent woman that she talked about being in the first season and that that's what her story will be. But it is just fascinating how they can interweave these relationships and make us feel so much for all of these individual aspects and these individual storylines and characters. Um, and it's just, uh, it just blows my mind how they are able to spin all of these plates and keep them all in the air and allow us as an audience to be so captivated by basically every relationship they throw at us. That scene you mentioned in the, in the restaurant where there was no dialogue, mm -hmm. all looks, all camera, man, you know, I was watching some breakdown. I'm just a film, film and TV guy. I was watching a breakdown of Jurassic Park, and uh, there's a moment where Spiel Spielberg does something like that um, in the first one, and it's just like, and, and like the way he uses the camera and stuff. And like, there aren't very many opportunities. Well, I I'd say years ago there weren't very many opportunities to tell stories like that in television. Yeah, and now I I feel like I've been taking it for granted because streaming kind of came into play when I was, I don't know, maybe like 19, 20. I'm 28 now. 
And so it's just been a part of my life as long as I've been a professional. But that moment right there really demonstrated the difference between what characters say and what they actually feel. Mm-hmm. The moment for us to watch them fall victim to their emotion, their feelings. But also every time Keely and Rebecca have a scene together, it just feels it feels like there won't be lies told. Like between these two, there's no masking. So when there is that moment where they weren't even talking, it was like, okay, well, obviously Keely still has feelings for Roy. Obviously Rebecca still has feelings for Sam. Here we go. Yeah. See how this works. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, Rebecca is another one of those that, of course, people have been speculating for literally years. We have a good friend who does a podcast all about calling their soulmates, all about Ted Becca. We mentioned her when we talked to you Mm -hmm. last time. Um, But, you know, like her story is so unique. Uh, And I know you just mentioned that you you feel like you're better at analyzing than you are doing predictions. So I'll ask you to do a little bit of both. In this last episode, I'm kind of torn. I sort of came out on the side that the floating Dutchman, the man on the boat, whatever you want to call him, uh, that he is going to be someone that we don't necessarily return to in the latter part of season three, that really that was just a, a like a redefining moment for Rebecca. But what was your thoughts on all of that this last episode? Um, and, you know, you don't necessarily even have to predict if you think that he's going to come back, but like just Rebecca's relationship in general. And, and I, I wasn't expecting the psychic visit at the beginning of this season and how much that would play into things. It's just, again, like those subversions of expectations. But I want to know your thoughts on Rebecca. So I, th- I think just Ted Lasso just seems to cover uh, most of the genres I'm obsessed with. Yeah, And I don't know what to call this genre, maybe longing perhaps, but there's a couple of stories that I'm just obsessed with that have to do with longing, kind of missing each other. Once is a prime example. Yes. Um, there's some there's some plays, uh, some August Wilson plays, which I love, that deal with that sort of thing. And like just missing each other. Almost had this life together. Um, there's a movie directed by Chris Evans called Before We Go. Similar. And here in this moment, I don't believe that that there's a word called sonder and that word means like when you suddenly become aware that other people are living their own individual lives. And I think that moment in there, in that, in that, that little vacuum was when the opposite happened, when two people became aware of themselves, that intimacy isn't just um, physical because when, welcome back, when (laughs) our mystery man says, uh, did we? Oh yes, we did. We know what he meant. He, he wasn't referring to, oh, actually, she didn't remember and I just lied. Nah, he's saying with the night that we had, we were far more intimate. We were far more intimate than anything physical. I just don't, I don't think that we're going to revisit that, at, at least in this season. And I think that that was so that we could see two people um, become more aware of themselves and their worth mm. to help better prepare them for their futures. Because because in that moment, Rebecca kind of learned or relearned she's worthy of love. Yeah. And we watched the gentleman experience the same thing, because even though we didn't spend seasons with him, we learned like a little bit about his past, enough for him to want to experience love and know that he's worthy of it. Yeah. And we we talked about like at the beginning of the season, uh, the idea of divorce uh being such a huge theme. I mean, from the very first scene where Ted is dropping Henry off at the airport and everything else. And, you know, I haven't talked uh, a ton about what's going on with me personally, but I'll just say that like the, the line that um, really hit home with me, we used it as a Tedism last week. I think Jeremy um, Mm -hmm. took it, but the, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something to the effect of, you know, when this all started, I thought it was happening to me. And now I've realized it's happening for me. And I think that that is such a, a cathartic, like therapeutic line for both of them to kind of start to realize. And, and Rebecca has said that in this season, she no longer wants to destroy Rupert, but she just wants to beat him. Now there's a little bit of a difference there, right? Like it just depends yeah. on kind of your definition. But the the fact is she's starting to move forward and she's starting to look to the future. And maybe could she have a family like Tish is predicting? You know, all of this that is kind of going through her head and we're seeing all that growth and development since 
the person that wanted to do this whole major league subplot and almost kind of at the, in a way was almost like the villain of the first six episodes of the first season. And then now Mm -hmm. we love her and we want the best for her, whether that's people out there wanting her to be with Ted or wanting her her to be with uh, no one, you know, like, or anything in between. It's just like, we have become so captivated. And, you know, you mentioned the nonverbal acting, Mm -hmm. Hannah's facial expressions and Mm -hmm. nonverbal acting this entire season, whether that be in Tish's, uh, you know, kind of, den or whatever sitting room uh or that's you know her interactions and just how excited she is when she's trying to get ted pumped up her facial expressions are just a master class i mean clear like she's so good it's just just so amazing that theater training man that's that hey you know i wasn't i wasn't gonna say it but yeah (laughs) hey we we are theater people my man <laughs> like we are Dude, we just did that i just said like, sondheim concert last night that's how crazy we oh, are nice. <laughs> that's why my yeah, voice is she... shot <laughs> oh singing i feel yeah. but yeah her her whole character arc i think you're right you know it's in the details and there's a big difference between beating and destruction because the only thing required to beat someone if it's fair is excellence proficiency mm-hmm. competence What's required to destroy someone is is almost a willingness to destroy yourself. Yeah. And I think the difference between those two shows exponential growth, but also wisdom. Because I think for her to back down, she, she'd know it would haunt her. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I love this new goal to beat him. And I, I love the idea that she doesn't have to die trying, but she can at least try her best. Yeah, and I think we're getting glimpses of that because like it didn't even when she said that to Ted, he said something about like you've already beaten him because you got him out of your life or something like that. I, I remember some kind of line like that, and I'm pretty sure he called him a turkey too, so that's why I think it was Ted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's also this sense that like I think that even though they lost the West Ham match, her like whispering to him and letting him know that she knows he's cheating on his current wife as well, and like saying it in a way that isn't like I'm going to use this against you. It's literally her in a way, trying to get him to do better. Mm-hmm. Like, Sticking up this. for, yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. she actually says, to, she tells him to do better, right? I mean, because like she, mm-hmm. her and Bex actually have a really, you know, cordial relationship whenever they interact, uh, especially in this season, whether that be at the West Ham match or other times that we've mm-hmm. seen the two of them interact. I think that, uh, and Rebecca, I think, cares a lot about their child because um, perhaps that's the life that she hasn't been able to have right so i think mm-hmm. that she's looking out for both bex and for um and for their child too so uh it, it's just it's just interesting and and now we got to go to you know you talked about it before the season that you were team ted becca where are you at yeah. with that now i mean there's a difference between what i want and what i know to be true <laughs> what i'm seeing it doesn't seem as though there's space time or room for that relationship to develop unless it's a sort of, Oh, we've always kind of been here thing, which I'm not anticipating. Um, But man, it would be nice because they know what they're doing. Like they, they, it wasn't an accident. I keep going back to that cut of Rebecca on banter, texting her mystery man and then cutting to Ted. Y'all know what y'all were doing. Mm -hmm. That's right. Y'all know what y'all were doing. Okay. So just and like I didn't I didn't put that on me. Y'all did it. You know what I'm saying? The writers did it. So I'm just like, what's up? That's all. What's up? That's all. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure it out. So I don't know that it will develop. I'll tell you what. I'd still be extremely happy if it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, my wife is actually like she she's not she's not like anti-ted becker or anything like that she's just like you know she just doesn't see it as more of a romantic thing and she had admitted to me the other day that like she thinks ted's actual love story is with his son you know it's like it's actually like being the father that he you know not even that he didn't have but like that he got kind of robbed of because of his father's suicide and stuff like that and making sure that he is always there for henry because i think there's a reason when we're seeing the panic attacks this year, it's always a flash of Henry that's showing in his brain, um, you know? Wow. And so it, there's something that's happening there. And she thinks that like, ultimately he's going to realize that like, you know, it's not even a romantic love that he's missing. The th- thing that he's aching for is to be there for his son. Jeremy, Sarah well, is so much smarter than you. Sarah's very much smarter. <laughs> hey, my wife's the same way. You know, <laughs> yeah, I have no problem. So it's just like, 
But that's, I mean, that's an incredible thing, you know, and we can kind of start talking about the idea of fatherhood because fatherhood was really put on display, I think. I mean, it's been throughout the, se- the series, but truly it came uh, full circle in season two, really, like where we were really focusing literally on fatherhood and and what that relationship means. And we see that like Ted is wondering why he's even still there at the beginning of this season, because he wants to go back home with Henry. I mean, that's very clear and evident in everything that he does. Like that, that moment, like at the very first scene, um, when Henry looks back from the yeah. escalator uh, back at Ted, it's just like, you know, that's like that, that just grabs you and you want that, you want that connection to happen. And we know from this teaser trailer that we we all got to see a long time ago that Henry's going to be back at some point in um, in uh, England this season. And so they're going to be going to a West Ham match and all of that. So it, it'll it just be interesting to see what Ted's reaction is when Henry's got to get on that plane a second time. I just think that maybe that's the time when he's like, no, I got to be on this plane with him. And uh, that 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 relationship with Michelle and where that's going with Dr. Jacob and, and all of these feelings that Ted's having that I think he's much more comfortable. He is much more comfortable in expressing because of the work he's been doing in therapy and with Dr. Sharon and everything else. It's like really we're seeing that growth in our main character as well. Whereas before he might've just kind of pushed through it with positivity, but not really evaluating the fact that he needed something else. Like he needs answers to Dr. Jacob and what's going on. And he -hmm. needs to make sure that he's there for his son in whatever way that that means. And that's why I love that line that Beard delivered where he said, you know, Henry's going to be all right because you're his dad. And then Ted took a beat and said, thanks. I needed to hear that. And I I don't know that first season Ted Lasso would have taken a beat and said, thanks. I needed to hear that. I think he would have kind of made it funny. He would have kind of kept Uh pushing forward, but we're seeing so much growth in all these characters, but I think none more so than Ted. Right. Right. Um, There's a show I love. It's called uh, My Hero Academia. It's an anime. <laughs> and um, there's a line that there's like this awesome great hero. He's been doing it for forever. And then he's got this super talented kid. And then he's got this kid who's just like got no talent, but he's working his butt off. And then the super talented kid is always getting angry. And he he's getting so mad because the, the newbie is growing. And he's like frustrated because he's used to being the best. And then the the old timey hero goes, "Hey, it's much easier to level up when when you're a novice. Like there's much more growth to make mm. um, when you're new. But when you look at this proficient, talented, you know, look at somebody like Ted, it's harder to track that growth because mm. from the exterior, it looks like he's so well adjusted, but internally." it takes so much more to climb an extra step because you're already closer to um, equilibrium. So for Ted, one step takes a lot more work than somebody like Jamie, who we've seen exponential growth from. He started from like below the line, you know? Yeah. And even Ted could recognize that there were qualities in Jamie that he needed to adopt when Jamie was like, coach, I'm me. I don't want to be anybody else. <laughs> I don't think you realize how like mentally healthy that is to how say. Psychologically healthy that actually is. Yeah, <laughs> psychologically healthy. That's right. That's one of my favorite lines from the first parts of this show, man. It's just so like, good. Because you're right, though. Um, and I'm glad that you uh, brought up Jamie there because, like, I think that this last episode, Sunflowers, was a paramount thing for his relationship with his father as well. Because, of course, we learn some more really bad details about James Hart senior <laughs> or James Tart uh, senior uh, taking yeah. him to Amsterdam when he was 14 under the guise of a football match, trying to be <clears throat> a super dad to get back together with his mom and ultimately taking him to lose his virginity in the red light district and stuff. And I think that, you know, what Jamie said though, about like when he came back with his mom and that, you know, it was like his dad wasn't there, but he still sort of was. And that's just really about, mm-hmm. I think like we take, our father's traits and our history with our fathers with us, whether we want to or not, mm-hmm. um, especially, and that's not even just father. That's, that's just all parents. But I had a discussion with this in our Facebook group though, because, and I don't know if you know this either Luke, the lake, but Jamie in this episode is so great because he's like so exuberant and so childlike and stuff like that. Real Ted vibes from Jamie. 
You yes. really get real Ted vibes out of him. Yep. But there is a moment where he's on the, the mini bridge and he kind of does like the shadow boxing thing with Roy. Yeah, yeah. Somebody called it out and I was uh, too. I didn't get to mention it in our review, but it's like it looked like his dad after the Man City match when he comes into the locker room. He's like, oh, my son, my son, stuff like that. And he kind of even talks like when he says diamonds out of forever, you know, it's like and that was like he his gets even further in his dialect. Yeah. And so and I would and so I called this out and I was like, I think that like part of that is also the fact that I like, think about it like when his dad's doing it in season two, it's a degrading thing. He's trying once again to make a power play over his son saying you're not good enough and stuff like that to retain his power over him. Now, Jamie's doing the same thing, but it's like educational and it's playful. And he's like, you know, exuding this joy with it. And so I was like, I think that's, again, a further like testament of his growth as not only a character, but also just trying to shed off the trauma that his dad has instilled on him throughout his entire life, which I think is the source of like his selfishness and his arrogance when we first meet him. Hmm. I don't know. That's pretty good. I, I get one gem every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> a we'll, we'll chalk that one up to just living with Sarah then. Uh, yes. That's, uh, yeah. just, through, just through osmosis uh, that you're getting it back. But no, I, I love where Jamie's heading. I love that. Like you were saying, that's, that's such a great line about being a novice and, and how we've seen so much of the development of Jamie Tart over the last three seasons, probably more so than just about any character other than Ted, I would say. Um, and it's incredible to see where that's going to land. And the fact that this budding bromance with Roy and this, what was kind of like ice actually called it out uh, when we were looking at season two, that hug between Roy and Jamie after Man City, to me, that was like the culmination of this father and son relationship that Roy and Jamie have. But now uh, the writers, again, in such an amazing way, turn something fun like riding a bike and show that, well, you know what? It turns out that the mentee can also be a mentor for this person too. And that this relationship really goes both ways. And so it's so cool to see those two together and their chemistry together is just remarkable. And to think about that gala episode and Ted trying to get them on the same page and them just being complete opposites and seemingly never going to be on the same page to where they are today, kind of strolling through Amsterdam together, sharing these like personal stories and anecdotes. It just is it's just a remarkable relationship to be able to follow. And I do, I do think it still continues on with that theme of father and son. So uh, just wonderful stuff. I, I think mm -hmm. uh, one of the other storylines that clearly we're going to get more of that I do want to talk about is Colin, because uh, as much yeah. as I, uh, you know, I, I mentioned it, uh, I think at the beginning of the last episode that we did, that I, I did wish we we would have more from people like Sam or Isaac. Um, but I understand that Sam's story, major story kind of push was in season two. And that clearly Colin is that player, that kind of more supporting role player that they really want to get uh, to the spotlight this, um, this season. And to see where his story is going to go, I think it's going to be very impactful for people. I think it's going to be um, something that a lot of people can relate to. You know, I kind of ended our last episode on this tirade of, I can't believe that it's 2023 and we can't just acknowledge that we should treat people with love and kindness, regardless of who, how they identify or who they love. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I just can't. And so to be able to see that on screen and how that's going to play out, I just think it's going to be pretty remarkable. And Billy Harris just again, he's also someone that's acting right now on the West end. So he's got that theater mm -hmm. background as well. Mm -hmm. But what are your thoughts? You mentioned a bit earlier, you know, the, the scene between Colin and Trent Krim, but what are your thoughts on the Colin storyline? Oh yeah. Trent. I think I called him James earlier. Well, well he's James Lance. Um, <laughs> we do that. All, yeah, we, so. we do that all the time where we just interchange the actor's name. So <laughs> I'm sure if we started to do a shrinking show, I would, it would be really hard to call you Sean. Luke, Sean. Yeah. I feel, <laughs> yeah. I feel. <laughs> the, the moment in that scene that stood out to me, which uh, I didn't, I didn't know how it would be received, which was, he said really plainly, he was like, I don't want to be a spokesman. Mm. Like I just want what I've seen. And that kind of like, let a little bit of responsibility off my shoulders. Cause like, there's a lot of stuff that like, I'm, I'm very quiet about um, a lot of my opinions. I just like TV and movies, bro. It's like, if I was a plumber, you wouldn't care what I thought about whatever. I could just get under the sink and fix your thing. You know, uh -huh. I, I can fix your pipes as an actor. 
people want to know what you think. It's like, I'll tell you what I think about acting, and that's it. Mm. And when he said that, I, I I had never really seen a character who wasn't um he just wants to live the he just wants to live his life. Mm-hmm. And there was something so beautiful about that admission. It, and it could only have been um admitted between two like-minded people because it seemed like Trent connected with that as well. Um I found it to be very again just opposite of cliche. Mm, yeah. I didn't see I didn't see it coming with Trent. But as soon as Trent it, uh shared um it was like everything made sense. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a Facebook user Powerful scene. There's a Facebook user that called that out too when we it was like, how can how can you guys not know trans gay? He hasn't done anything straight in every episode. And I was like, ah. I have not. I'm I like, that's a handsome it. dude. Great head of hair. Never seen him Great. with a lady. I didn't question it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't question it at all. And everything like that. But we, you know, we know. knew he had a daughter. Um, you know, and I think the only other time we saw him outside the context of the team was uh when he walked up to Ted uh, at the Crown and Anchor to ask him about his panic attack uh, in season two. So, you know, we we always see him in a professional setting. So, you know, it's it was a great character, I think, to to spark that change. But you're right though, when um Colin says he doesn't want to be a spokesperson, he also has a line right after that where he says, and I don't want any apologies. And I loved that part of that too, because you're right. It just reiterates. It's just like, you know, I'm not a cause. I'm not like, you know, a thing like that. I just want to live my life. I just want to live, man. Yeah. The same, like the same as anyone else. And, you know, I, I don't know if I'm like, I told him like, I'm kind of expecting the moment now for him to get to do what he said, you know, kisses fell after they win a game. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe that's not something that's going to be like done on the field or something like that. He also said that, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, he'd, he'd like to think that the team wouldn't care, but it's just easier to not tell. And, you right. know, I feel like they wouldn't. I, yeah, I know. really hope well, so. Well, that's his decision. You know, and that that is like, so again, are they going to, because my thing is the cliche, I think, or the the expectation that you would have is that if he does come out to the team, somebody on that team, whoever it's going to be, I don't have one on the top of my head, um, is going to be against that. But I don't know that this show does that. I don't know if like, I feel like that story, that's not the important part of that story. It's not that, you know, this, uh, a gay athlete coming out and then, um, you know, the teammates being against that. I just feel like, this story is so much more about trying to discover yourself and that maybe we will see a very supportive team around Colin. I hope so. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I certainly like we, we might get that. Hey guys, I have something to tell you. We know we might. Yeah. Kyle's yeah. been really specific about implying that he is a hundred percent straight. So maybe they wouldn't know. Yeah. 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 And there's also the sense too of, um, you know, maybe it's because, you know, obviously I'm thinking back too to like Nate berating uh, Colin specifically in season two, you know, making him mm-hmm. one of the objects of the derision there, Um, you know, telling him, you know, oh, Danny and, and Jamie, they're like, you know, Picasso's, you're like hotel art, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, like, I think that maybe Colin in a sports sense, maybe if he doesn't feel like he needs to hide anything anymore it could unlock his football side as well. And so, because I told Craig in our last episode, I was fixating on when Zavo didn't come to the game and they had to put Colin in, they made a choice of like doing the zoom in shot on the back of Colin's Jersey while he's on the field. And, you know, Arlo white and and the other are sitting there saying, you know, Oh, Hughes for Zava. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I think maybe we could get an actual football storyline here of where if Colin lets go of all the other stuff, it can unlock his true ability ability to also be a Picasso on the field, you know? And he can prove to himself that he's a strong and capable man, right? Yes. <laughs> Doesn't need the Yeah, second. yeah, yeah. Cause everything's linked, right? Yeah. Cause yeah. one thing informs the other, right? Right, right. Well, I know that um I, what I want to do is I, I want to hit on one more character. Uh and you mm-hmm. talked about him already, uh Luke, but and then we'll kind of just if there's any other storylines we want to talk about before we end this thing. But uh we've got to talk about Nate. We gotta talk about Oof, uh, you know, I think we're all on team redemption here, and I think that the acting that Nick Muhammad is doing throughout this season of giving us glimpses of Nate, the great of the Nate that we came to love the, the dopey Nate that (laughs) went from Kitman to assistant coach. And like, 
we need to see that redemption. And I think it's going to happen soon. I think that that's going to happen. You know, if we've got six episodes left, I think that that happens like in episode 10, you know, and we get a couple of episodes with a redeemed Nate. I could be wrong there, but, um, you know, talk about your thoughts, Luke, on, on Nate. I just think the performance is immaculate, incredible. Yeah, just, just I think he's so that. subtle, <laughs> so connected, so plugged in. So that guy's a genius. Everybody's so good on this freaking show. But um, anyway, so what I think about Nate is from the looks of it, it's becoming apparent to him that Ted is the reason. Like Rupert didn't see anything in him. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't count when someone else saw it first. You know, it's like, I'll use myself as an example. When I was a child, or perhaps whenever I started acting, for someone to say, hey, I think you're going to, I think you're going to be able to do this at a professional level, would mean the world to me. It doesn't mean as much as someone was like, I think you're, I think you're going to, you're going to be working. It's like, I am working. It's a little late. Like the people who bought into me before there was proof mm. are the ones who, who proved to me that their faith could move me forward mm. and Nate can't see that Rupert didn't see anything in him that Ted didn't see first and because of that cognitive dissonance there was that desire for the apology the last time we saw him you know there was that and you know we had that little short visit in Ted's mind I wonder why Ted's thinking about it like you know what I think would be great growth for Ted for Ted to tell Nate man I gave you everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and even when, and even when I didn't, like the one time I snapped at you, I said, sorry, immediately. What the hell, man? Mm. Yeah. And I you mean, know, that's exactly, that's exactly what Beard says. Like, you know how I know that you're a mess right now? Cause you're acting like Nate's not getting to you. Like he didn't hurt you. Yeah. And I'd be so mad. Him. I'd be so mad. It's like, bro, come on, man. I think you're like, right. Yeah, I think you're that, that would right. that would be Ted's growth for him yeah. to admit, "Hey, you hurt my feelings." Yes, because remember, like Michelle is smiling at the end of episode what four or five this season. I think because Ted finally didn't just mull things over. He didn't just bowl over his emotions and everything like that. He actually talked to her and said, "Hey, this bothers me." Like, you know, I don't know if I don't know what the recourse is here, but like this seems wrong. And I just had to tell you because not telling you would be just as bad. And I think you're right. Like everybody is expecting Nate to be the one to apologize and like Ted to just be okay with it. I would love it, Luke. I would love your idea if it was literally Ted's growth is saying, you know what, Nate, I believed in you. I treated you with respect and everything. Maybe I, you know, like wasn't, you know, exactly what you needed me to be at all times, but I was there for you when you needed it most and you threw me away, you know? So stuff like that, that's just like, man, like that is some, that is some hardcore stuff. I think you're right. We need to get an answer to that. Cause I, I thought that that moment was going to happen um, earlier, but what ended up happening was Ted came clean to his ex yeah. about his opinion on how she was treating him um keeping him out of the loop but that needs to happen with Nate or or not maybe there's some other thing in there because one thing I didn't see coming I I guessed appropriately when um beard and Roy were gonna show the team the the surveillance footage I did not guess appropriately that the team would then go on to completely misplaced their anger murder people on the field yeah yeah (laughs) so i wouldn't i wouldn't venture to assume how it would go after ted did do that but man it would just be nice for him to call him out kindly and sweetly the same way he did to his ex yeah yeah i i can not cool yeah Yeah, i completely agree that that shows that would show some level of growth for sure all right well Mm -hmm. you know uh, as we start to kind of wrap things up, are there any storylines or people or characters that you're looking forward to seeing uh, in the latter half? I mean, clearly all of our characters here. I mean, we can, <laughs> Everyone. We, can talk, we can talk about Leslie Higgins. We can talk about Danny Rojas. We can talk about Isaac McAdoo. I mean, we can talk about literally everyone. We can talk about Van Damme, you know, like everybody in this <laughs> show. And, but like, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to mention uh, before we start to wrap this thing up, Luke? I think I'd like to see Rebecca's mom again. Oh. Yeah. 
Maybe nice. maybe an interaction with Ted would be cool. Maybe that's that's where the if there is a potential for them to get together, maybe that's where it would come from. Okay. Maybe if Rebecca's mom meets this guy. This ain't you. <laughs> Checking all the boxes. That's yeah. great. That's <laughs> great. Okay, I'm just saying, like, I don't, if you didn't see it, I'm not trying, but uh, I, I would love to see that interaction. And also, great character, astounding performance every time she was on screen. So I just, I want more. Awesome. That's so great. Jeremy, uh, before we get to plug in all of our stuff here, anything that you have? Uh, no, I totally agree there. Of course, you know, I'm uh, uh, I'm all for uh, all the Ellie Taylor I can get in the world, a brilliant comedian. So bring Sassy yes, back thank you. as Ellie much Taylor, as possible, yeah. please, um, because she is hilarious. She's amazing. Um, I still think her telling off of Rupert at the funeral was one of the best comedic <laughs> burns I've ever heard in my life. Um, so just more Sassy, please. Yeah. Now, Luke, I'm going to throw you for a loop here. I know you're such a film aficionado and if our if our listeners have not listened to your episode with Brett oh, on films buddy. to be buried with, <laughs> you need to go and uh, you need to go take that masterclass that is films with Luke Tenney. But if you were going to recommend one movie oh. to Lasso fans out there to go and check out that maybe they hadn't seen, what you got? Evil. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> Lasso fans, because I'm thinking of some qualities. All right, I'm going to go with the category of Let's do like underrated, maybe no one's heard of. I'm going to pick, y'all gonna hate me for this if y'all see this movie, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Hell yes. <laughs> it stars Steve Carell and Keira Knightley. And I'm thinking in that Ted Lasso like spirit that that might be the kind of movie that either Ted Lasso fans will love or hate or love to hate. All right. So, That's awesome. That's <laughs> I'm gonna awesome. go with that one. <laughs> Now, we talked about it a little bit before uh, before when you were on, but you also have a short film that you're going to be taking around. Can you tell yeah, us a I little do, bit yeah. about that? Yeah, so my, my short is called Jade, and we're um, waiting to hear back from some festivals right now. And we want to get it in the festival circuit, maybe win some trophies, get some laurels. But me and my boy Noam Shapiro been homie since college almost 10 years now. And we just got together and wrote this thing that we wanted to shoot in COVID. It's about brotherhood. It's about fatherhood. It's about friendship. Uh, and we just wanted to get started. Like, we didn't want the first thing that we did, uh, like, a, if we create for the rest of our lives, we want the first thing that we did to um, be trash. So that made us think, let's get started immediately. And um, I like Jade a lot. I'm very proud of it. I think it's one of the only things that I've ever been a part of from the creative side where I'm pretty close to a hundred percent of doing the things that I had planned to do with the thing. It's like 97%. It's like, I don't know, maybe like a, a continuity error here or there, or perhaps like, you know, maybe two or three things didn't line up, but we did what we set out to do with that short. I hope after the festival circuit, when we put it online that people like it and people could see why I'm such a big fan of these, these writers uh, Doozer, the whole Doozer crew. And, um, you know, you mentioned Moneyball, Sorkin. I mentioned theater, August Wilson. Like a lot of these stories are built around character, not just plot. And I think that's probably going to be the, the central focus of my creative endeavors for years to come. Um, we can't wait to be the beneficiaries no, yeah. of our that. conversation earlier. I think, <laughs> I think, I think you're going to make it in this uh, acting thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think the world, Jeremy. It. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And Luke, it was so great having you back. Um, so just real quickly, our, our socials, PBBFRN on Twitter. You can also find our Peanut Butter and Biscuits Facebook page. Go and check that out for sure. And uh, we'd love to have you in that group. It's really blowing up and people are really sharing a lot of their theories and their stories. And it's just, like, honestly, it's remarkable uh, to mm -hmm. like be able to read so many people that are saying, hey, been listening to you since the beginning. And it, it's wild to me that a couple of guys in central Illinois get listened to <laughs> by people around the world and that you care at all what we have to say about this amazing TV show. You know, so thank you so much for that. And Luke, it's just been uh, wonderful to get to know you over these. Go last watch months. Shrinking, and everyone. Go watch Shrinking. Shrinking. shrinking thank you. Oh, I just showed a friend Shrinking uh, the the pilot for the for, and it's been a while since I'd come back to see it. And 
just like those scenes that you have at the end, uh, like when you are running up that hill with Jason, oh my God, like everything about that show. I just can't wait to, to dive in and revisit it. And I can't wait to for season two to be on our Apple TV uh, streams for sure. Yeah, something you can also yeah. take back to everyone there, Luke, is uh, my mother-in-law re- recently watched um, and um, she uh, you know, shares my Apple account um, and everything like that. Right. But uh, something went wrong and she couldn't watch after episode four. And I've never seen her freak out harder than when she couldn't keep watching after episode four because we had to figure out how to log back in. So, there Oh, you. I'd want answers after that ending, too. Yeah, yeah you're just doing the math in your head. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, like, I she totally was literally, she called me immediately. She was just like, Jeremy, what is wrong with this? I was like, you yes. have to fix this. That's so great. Yeah, thanks, That's guys. So great. I, I hope people enjoy it. We're we're really working on something unique with shrinking. Trying to do, I just feel like the writers are trying to, you know, uh, after the virus, I think we're trying to. I think we want a little bit more. Um, we either want we know it's fake, or something that's kind of like we're gonna try our best to get real. Mm. You know, it's it's like one of the two extremes, and I, I think shrinking is definitely like that reality there. There you yeah, go. That's that's watch so drinking and watch Ant Man Quantumania, which is coming out soon. There you go, guys. <laughs> the best oh yeah, check it out. Best of both worlds. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Well, thanks again so much, Luke. Um, I guess that that's a wrap for us. We're gonna be uh right there with you with episode seven next week. But for now, for peanut butter and biscuits, I'm Craig. I'm Jeremy, and this has also been I'm Luke. Yeah. <laughs> and as always. Be a goldfish. Goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.